Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 332. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor, Tucker Marcus. Very nicely shaven today. Oh, yeah, that's true. You're in your nice sweater. Yeah, I'm boyish. You got a job interview or a date or something, kid? A date with destiny that I like to call waking up in the morning. (laughs) Go get them, folks. (laughs) Great. There's a bunch of stuff happening over the next week, like lots of big news, big things dropping. First up is the second season of Marvel's Jessica Jones hits Netflix. Wait a minute. Wait, I'm looking at the time. By the time you're listening to this, it's already on Netflix. Oh, man. You can watch the whole dang show. That series, that season is available now. We've been doing a lot of fun little content with it. Have a lot of people from the show here at Marvel headquarters for different projects for It's Mightiest Show. Maybe for some This Week in Marvel, for some other productions that we're doing. So check our feeds for all the cool Jessica Jones stuff. There's tons of it. Did you see the book covers? Yeah, that, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. They're so cool. Yeah, they sort of did these pulpy comic covers yeah, yeah. to show the creative teams working on each episode. So the directors, the people behind each episode of the season. It's really, really neat. Do we have those on the site? Yeah, we do. Great. So you can check those out. There's tons more that you'll see for Jessica Jones. For the terrestrial television, is that a thing? Terrestrial Ooh, television? I, is that what they call it? Does that make Netflix extraterrestrial? Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Only aliens would bring us Netflix. Yeah. On ABC right now, this week is the 100th episode of Marvel's Agents wow. of S.H.I.E.L.D. It is a tremendous achievement for the show to hit 100 big episodes. Really cool season. Started out in space. They finally made it back. What are they going to do to save everything? We'll see. We'll get to our question of the week and maybe some thoughts and perspective on the show a little bit later in the episode. You guys think about your favorite Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. business. Think about it. Yeah. Keep that in your head. We also, oh my God, there's still more, Tucker. There's still more. Yeah. Wolverine the Long Night is practically here. Depending on when you listen to this. I'm so excited. Yeah, right? The Wolverine the Long Night, the brand new scripted podcast series. It launches March 12th exclusively on Stitcher Premium. It follows the story of Logan, the strange newcomer. In the small town of Burns, Alaska. It's awesome. It's it's really cool. We're getting 10 episodes of the series. You're going to want to listen to this. And if you don't have Stitcher Premium, you can sign up now. You go to WolverinePodcast.com. Use the code MARVEL for a free month of Stitcher Premium. There's a ton of other shows on Stitcher Premium that I enjoy. You're getting so much. You get your Wolverine plus a little bit of, like, you know, comedy and fun stuff. Yeah. Comedy and fun stuff. Comedy and fun stuff. That's you, Tucker, in a nutshell. So many things happening Ugh. this week. It's been really exciting, but we'll get to more of the news later. A couple of fun things that happened. We had Andrew WK here in our creative space recently. We sat down with him, talked about his new record, which is super fun, super positive. And we did an interview for This weekend Marvel. If you've never seen it, we did a, a like a lost episode of Marvel Superheroes What The, our stop motion animation series. One of my favorite things in the history of Marvel.com. Directed and essentially created amazingly by Alex Kropenak who is a mad genius. And we did essentially a video for one of Andrew's old songs, We Party, You Shout, and it's so fun. It's got Loki and MODOK and lots of villains and Captain America telling Andrew WK to quiet down and stop partying. (laughs) It's so good. You have to check that out. That's on Marvel's YouTube channel. And if we put up a video with the Andrew WK stuff, we should include that in the video as well, at least a little snippet. We also had Michael K. Williams here. Oh, the best. Tucker, how excited were you to talk to him? I was so excited. He's one of my favorite actors. We had him for a short period of time, which was a privilege. I could have talked to him for 
hours. Yeah. I could have talked to him for hours. Yeah, he told a really great story. So both the Andrew WK interview and the Michael K. Williams interview will be on This Week in Marvel in the future. Stay tuned for those. Really neat bit of business earlier this week where Merriam-Webster announced 500 new words yeah. going into the dictionary. I, I want to be part of that process. Yeah. Where they're just like, you know what? There's oh, a boardroom somewhere yeah. where they're like, here are our options. What did they cut out? What did they not approve to go in the dictionary? <sighs> that's that's what I need yeah. to know. Yeah. Anyway, so they approved 500 words, including embiggen. And when they tweeted about embiggen, they used an animated GIF from a Marvel animated series, one of the Avengers shows with Ms. Marvel in it, which was super cool, showing her embiggening. Yeah. She, you know, G. Willow Wilson, Son of Aminat, have put that language in the comic over the years, the way that Kamala sort of describes the way she grows, mm-hmm. she embiggens. Mm-hmm. Obviously, to many of us, that's a reference back to The Simpsons. That's the first time I have ever heard oh, the word embiggen. It was in an early season episode of The Simpsons. It's a quote from Jebediah Springfield where he says, a noble heart embiggens even the smallest man. There's a whole joke about how that's not a word <laughs> back then. And this is like, Almost 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And now it's a word. Yeah. Congratulations to Embiggen and a little bit of Ms. Marvel's influence in helping that become a bigger thing. Yeah. It's a great thing. And there was a quote from Willow in your article, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Check that out on the site. Shout out to my friend, Danny Pena, who runs a podcast called Gamer Tag Radio. They're celebrating 13 years of podcasting. Think about that. We've been doing six. And I'm like, that's an accomplishment. (laughs) They've done 13. That's like original. They were like the first podcast. (laughs) Super OG. I've been on their show a couple times. Great video game podcast. And they also have a brand new documentary called Gamertag Radio, a podcast story, which they shot an interview with me for. Gosh, that was like two years ago at this point. That's now available to watch on YouTube and Twitch. Check that out. Danny's a good dude. He's doing really good work. He's smart. Just awesome. Awesome guy. Yeah. I'm very proud of him. And my training has begun, Tucker. Mm. I did six miles, essentially uphill into the wind. And it was the first time I ran over six miles in a couple months. I think the most I had done was four recently. And so I did six miles. Uh, My wife did 10 because she's running (laughs) a half marathon in two weeks. But I did six miles in training for the Star Wars half marathon that's happening at the Walt Disney World Resort in April. It's my first half marathon since the Superheroes Half Marathon in November. If anyone who listens to This Week in Marvel is going to be there, let me know. Shout me out at Agent M. I always like seeing fans. We did some fun stuff for Thwip the Big Marvel Show last time at the Superheroes Half Marathon. You know, I get to go to Disney World. I get to run. I've also got a wedding to go to. It's all going to be fun. This is one Star Wars event that I want no part of. This is the only kind. They do a kids race. You could do, you could try to do the kids race. Just like me pushing a side eight-year-olds yeah I mean, i've seen you do that anyway <laughs> yeah that's true you're a fit dude you could handle a race no way no honestly <laughs> i've no never way. seen you so effusive yeah it's amazing. seriously like going upstairs like pushing elevator buttons it's all too much for me yeah well, no way well too bad i will be there hopefully i will see some of our twimmomaniacs at the races as well every other week i do a little weird food phrase that i want you to tweet to me you get folks it. Strap in. (laughs) Get ready. (laughs) Yeah, both Tucker and Evil Producer Brandon were slightly disturbed by my choice this week, which came to me shortly before recording. Glossy sausage. Wow. Glossy (laughs) sausage. It's that short O sound that really does it, the ah. Tweet glossy sausage to Agent M by the 16th, Mm -hmm. and maybe you'll get something fun. 
You got to be able for me to DM you in order to participate in it. It's not a Marvel-sponsored endeavor, but it's a little bit of fun. Yeah. We all, we all have fun. If you can handle tweeting glossy sausage, then you're going to I mean, then you deserve it. You yeah. really earned it this you, week. You yeah. earned it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You earned it. You know what else we've earned? Time to talk about some fun comics. Oh, yes. We've got a bunch of comics. This week, if you have not listened to Marvel's The Pull List for this week, one, I don't know what you're doing with your life because you it's a great show. It. It's terrific. Tucker and I talk about lots of things, all the comics that are happening. So many good books out this week that we had to narrow it down to just three. Those three we're going to talk about right now. I'm going to kick it off, Tucker, with Infinity Countdown number one. This one is time. a whopper of an issue. The quick setup is the Infinity Stones are back in the Marvel Universe. Obviously, with Secret Wars, the universe ended and it was brought back. There's a new universe. And with that came a new set of Infinity Stones. They're slightly different. There's something up and we don't really fully know. That's a lot of what Infinity Countdown is giving us. We have found out who has the stones. We know that Ultron has the Soul Stone. Turk Barrett, Turk from, you may know him, he's a daredevil supporting character, mm. sort of a low-level, street-level criminal. Mm -hmm. He has the Mind Stone. The Super Scroll Clert has the Time Stone. Wolverine has the Space Stone. He's back, and he's got the Space oh, Stone. Yeah. Drax is helping guard the Power Stone, and Captain Marvel has the Reality Stone. Okay, we've set the stage. Here are the people who have the stones. This is now the beginning of the big old throwdown for getting the stones, putting them together, and getting unlimited ultimate power. Mm -hmm. Infinite power, Whoa! if you will. Sideways 8. What? Hashtag sideways 8. Is that a, is that a hashtag that people say? Uh, I hope it is now. Sideways 8. Yeah, this uh, is the sideways 8 countdown. Was there not a movie called Sideways? Is that a, the Sideways, the that, one would, movie? that would be Alexander Payne's, yes. So this is the eighth movie in the Sideways franchise? I'm, the Sideways <laughs> universe? Sideways Cinematic Universe. It's the crossover between the upcoming Ocean's 8 and Sideways. Oh, Basically, boy. it's Paul Giamatti trying to rob a bank and failing. Going Great. Home. <laughs> Terrific. Anyway, Infinity Countdown is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Aaron Cooter, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by VCs Corey Petit. Now, there's also a couple of sequences in here called the Forging the Armor page sequences. These are written by Jerry, but these sequences focus on a dwarf from Nadavalier. I'm probably mispronouncing that, <laughs> but it's one of those Asgardian it's words. A, it's a textual medium. There is no correct pronunciation. That's not true at all. That literally sounds even worse than me mispronouncing. My favorite character is Diad Puyul. <laughs> Diad Puyul. Diad Puyul. Anyway, it focuses on this dwarf whose task with forging this mysterious bit of armor. And so we get that, and that has art by Mike Diodato Jr. and Frank Martin. Mm. So we've got a couple of things going on here, but man, Aaron Cooter. Aaron Cooter is legit. Yeah. He is on fire. There's so many cool things in here. He just, you know, whether he's drawing Drax meditating on yeah. top of the giant power stone and giving this really cool perspective and the shot choice. You, know, you think about it. A writer puts the script together and they say, hey, I want this scene. Sometimes it's very bare bones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really detailed. But something like this where it's Drax is on top of the power stone and he's meditating. That could be what you know you get. Mm -hmm. And then what Aaron puts together is you know a panel close up on Drax's face. You right. pull out a little bit. You get to see a little bit more of Drax. Then you pull out the whole page is really a shot of the perspective showing that the power stone is 
50 feet tall or whatever it mm-hmm. is, Drax is very tiny on the top of it. It's really cool. Look at the perspective of it all. Yeah. I got to give also love to Jordi Belair in this because she's just one of the best colorists in the business right mm-hmm. now. She does really cool stuff with the color choices. So you've got two main sort of fronts in this issue. Aside from the dwarf scene, mm-hmm. you've got the battle on Telefarina, which has the Guardians of the Galaxy versus the Gardener. And that has a lot of greens and browns. And she does this cool watercolor effect to a lot right. of the background work, which has such a cool, it adds a different vibe to it, you know? And then on the other side, there's this battle on Zituang where you have Drax and some of the Nova Corps guarding the Power Stone. They're facing off against the fraternity of the Raptors who are these super jerks who, mm-hmm. if you know Darkhawk, Darkhawk is sort of related to them. Mm. These are sort of the jerk police of the Shi'ar Empire. <laughs> then you have the Chitari. The Chitari are coming and they're like, hey, we want the Power Stone too. So, kind of Canadian? Yeah, I guess they're like... Like French Canadian? Like a French Canadian guy who's like a bad dude who's hanging outside of a bagel shop. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. I want their locks. Yeah. Anyway, so the Chitari are coming. They want the Power Stone too. But the Zituang battle is... Like, it's got a lot of purples and pinks and bright colors. Very space, Guardians of the Galaxy, neon bright. And the contrast between the two battles works really, really well because you go back and forth throughout Mm -hmm. the issue. If you're a fan of the Marvel movies, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, this has that feel. It's got the big battles, the big humor, the tone, the the tenor, the tempo you want from a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. And it's just in comic book form. Love the fact that Jerry and Aaron are getting to sort of tie up a lot of the threads that were hanging from the Guardians of the Galaxy series. So one of the major ones was, what the hell is going on with Groot? Because, you know, you had very little Groot throughout the Guardians of the Galaxy series. He was just off. And then Mm -hmm. we found out that the Gardener, there was something going on with him. And then there were all these other Groot-like creatures. So this is the fight between the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Gardener. And we learn a ton. And you learn that, one, Loki's been involved. Two, you learn that the Guardians are up against giant (laughs) plant monsters. And there's one of the coolest scenes in this issue. There's a moment in here where, well, there's Two really cool scenes in the Guardian's business. One, the gardener finally gets his groove back. Mm-hmm. He's like the emperor in that movie. Oh, yes. Right? Yes, yes. There's a talking llama in that one? Or is there a personal I llama? That, I th- yes, I believe that the emperor in question becomes this talking llama. Great. Yes. Cool. Yeah. We're all on the same page now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the gardener fixes Groot. Groot fixes the gardener, and then the gardener fixes mm-hmm. Groot. It's a really cool scene, and we see... What has been wrong with each of them? Mm -hmm. And then you get this great moment. There's a group bit of business in here. People are going to be like, wait a minute. How is that possible? But if you go back to a lot of Groot's earlier appearances, that like that is the status quo. What we've seen of late is sort of not been Mm -hmm. the way he always Mm -hmm. was. So Mm -hmm. I prefer Groot more like this, the way we see him by the end of this issue. So this was one of my choices for panel of the week. Yes. Uh, oh I mean, my it's gosh. It's so beautiful. Yeah, we're looking at this panel of Groot in sort of that like hero pose. Yeah. That, you know, Iron Man one come down yeah. or yeah. the what does Deadpool say? The, like, oh hero pose. Yeah, 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 yeah. That thing. Groot's in that mode. And then there's this light around him and it's almost like he's going Super Saiyan. Right. You know, it's just beautiful. And again, with Jordy's colors, yeah. it has so this true. texture to it, yeah. this feel. So Everybody's working together on coming together for this amazing thing. There's also a giant Godzilla-sized plant monster, a Groot-ish monster in here called Scar, I believe. And he is 
terrifying. Yeah. He's giant building sized. Scar is here and he's chasing after the Guardians of the Galaxy and he's got like forest on him mm-hmm. almost. He's a tree, yeah. but he's like he's got more trees building around. He's got his little mossy beard. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. There's hell. a scene where he kills Mufasa. <laughs> Is that, is that in the Emperor's New Groove as well? Yes, at least. Oh, okay, cool. So that's all happening on this one planet. The big battle for the Power Stone is also awesome. There's another giant splash page of Warbringer of the Chitauri riding a Leviathan just into battle. So cool. Yeah, He's got awesome. this super metal page, metal dialogue. Jerry crushes it. He's like, I will not be denied. Yeah, yeah. I love the kind of like abstract background here that just like, it looks like a poster or something. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would be an awesome black light poster. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, he's got a giant Leviathan behind him. So cool. Very Kirby crackle around. It's mm-hmm. just, it's gorgeous top to bottom. Everything really working. This is a dynamite first issue for the series. And it ends with two pages. Crazy. That I knew what was coming, <laughs> but I still like when I, it hit me, it got me. Yeah. There's a change in one of the owners of one of the stones. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And it means big things for the two characters involved in the changing of hands. And, that's and awesome. how it's done is yeah. so great. So just good. Perfect. Yeah. So good. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking much more about that character's new status quo in the coming months. My pick this week is The Amazing Spider-Man number 797. That's the highest number you'll find in my Marvel comics right there. That's not true. It's not? not true. Oh, no. How? There was a Deadpool number 1000 that we never, we don't have 1000 issues of Deadpool, but we definitely put out an issue numbered 1000. I guess that works then. That deserves to be number one. Yeah. The second highest number you'll find (laughs) in the top left corner of a Marvel comic is The Amazing Spider-Man number 797. This is part one of Go Down Swinging. This is Dan Slott. This is his final arc on this seminal, landmark, huge, massive undertaking that has been, how long has it been, 10 years? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, like 10 or 11 years. It's crazy. You know, so many iconic, legendary stories uh, over the course of that time. This issue is penciled by Stuart Immonen, inks by Wade Von Graubadger, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by Joe Caramagna. I wanted to pick this issue because it felt like, one, this is a great issue. Like, this feels like perfect Spider-Man to me. And, you know, as you would want from the final arc of such a crazy, insanely prolific creator like Dan Slott, We start out in a really interesting kind of manner where we see Norman Osborn, who's back, he's bad, and he's looking at the reader, and he's speaking to a character in the scene, obviously, but he's looking straight down the barrel, essentially, and he has someone captive, and we don't know who, and that kind of runs and is teased throughout the entire issue. Before you get to this next sequence, about the Norman pages. Yes. So the Norman pages, one show... How friggin' good Stuart Immonen and Wayne Von Graubadger are as sort of the line work mm-hmm. folks who can take what is essentially a, a monologue scene right. of one person talking at someone else for pages and pages and pages and make it gripping, yeah. and engaging, yeah, and, so and true. add so much depth to it and make it really spooky. Mm-hmm. But then it also proves how important an amazing colorist is to a scene because Marte Gracia's colors on this add so much darkness and depth and contrast. And like you have the pumpkins throughout it, which and in cast shadows and the way that's lit, it's so beautifully done. It's like when you watch a movie and you see a really well 
lit and composed scene. Mm-hmm. And you know that the cinematographer was so important yeah. in that and the director's eye and you see all the bits and pieces come together. A movie like Shape of Water, mm-hmm. right? You like look so beautiful. Yeah. And that's what this is to me. This yeah. is like shows all the people, all the creatives just firing on all cylinders. Yeah. We leave Norman on an ominous note and then we go to four hours before that, which I love. And we see... Peter and Mary Jane at Mary Jane's apartment. A little smooch in action. Smooching, thinking they're gonna go to the bone zone. Uh, why I love that it's four hours ago specifically is because it just keeps you on your toes. You know, you don't know as this issue goes on, you know, naturally certain characters are going to be taken out of contention for being the one who are strapped to that chair with Norman Osborne. But as you go, I just love it's just a little choice. It's like kind of that little directorial choice almost where it's just something that doesn't always necessarily pay off, but it's just a little thing to like kind of get at you. It just keeps you a little bit worried. It keeps you on your toes. It makes sure that you're never comfortable in any scene. MJ has the classic conversation that her long-standing problems with Peter that have kind of followed them throughout their entire relationship as Mary Jane works at Stark Industries. She's, you know, higher up there. She's very, very ingrained in the superhero community. But as someone who loves Peter, you know, this life is something that she's contended with for a long time. And it's something that's really difficult for her to deal with. She sends him packing in a very funny way because she asks him actually to leave via the window now as Spider-Man as opposed to leaving down through her apartment hallway as Peter Parker. As she says, it's easier for her to explain now that she's hanging out with superheroes as opposed to Pete. And little does she know that having him go out the window was actually a bigger mistake Yeah, for all things. It's true. We go back to Norman. It is just so dastardly and evil. I love this panel right here. As we know, Norman has the power of carnage. He's wearing the symbiote, you yeah. know, even if it's not apparent at all times. Yes. And there's this great kind of silhouette panel where he like eats a rat. Yeah, he bites a rat's head off. But it's not just the silhouette. I mean, it's the silhouette there. The lettering. The lettering yeah. there. The use of just the red as the color in the background. It's the teeth that you can see very prominently because of the symbiote suit. Mm -hmm. Like all the pieces are there. Yeah, it's so great. Then we get some classic Pete action as he goes to the Bugle, has a talk with Robbie Robertson and the editorial staff there. I really loved this moment here because Ben Ulrich's nephew is the Goblin King. And that's known. His name is Phil Ulrich. And there's just a really wonderful kind of little moment that Peter witnesses where kind of Robbie appeals to Ben and says, you're his Uncle Ben. You know, he needs you. You know, he appeals to that emotional side of him. And it's just such a nice little note. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. This Dan Slott character. He knows what he's doing. JJ is working on his blog like the madman that he is. Yeah. We've got this scene here. Yeah. With Norman, who's got that always sunny in Philadelphia conspiracy board. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the Pepe image Sylvia. or the gif yeah, <laughs> yeah. that people post all the time. Yeah. Where he's like pointing to yeah, it. Yeah. That's what Norman has built. And it's so good. Yeah. He is essentially trying to find out the web that links Robertson, Parker, Brant, Urich, that stupid threats and menaces blog, the Watson woman, Empire State University, Harry, my own beloved, in quotes, son. 
uh, Horizon, Max Modell, Midtown High, The Thompson Boy, Alchemax, Liz Allen. You know, he has connected all these pieces, but he doesn't know what has linked them all together. And he's essentially trying to get to the bottom of this. And with someone as brilliant as Norman, that cannot be good for our hero. The Goblin King shows up to Norman's lair and they have just this epic throwdown that I love. It's so cool. And this sequence right here was one of my favorite things to read this week. The Goblin King tries to take Norman out with this like sword of fire. You know, he's this massively powerful supervillain. And then Norman just catches it. He just catches the sword with his hand. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Goblin King is underestimating Norman, which many people have done over the years. And it's another silhouetted scene. Mm -hmm. It adds to that whole creep factor, that classic horror movie feel. As we kind of wrap up the issue, there's a great kind of slow moving sequence where Norman slowly dons the Green Goblin, this classic, classic with the kind of scales and the purple and the green. Uh, the classic Green Goblin costume. I won't say what happens in the final two pages, but some big revelations are made. We find out who's in the chair on the last page. It's perfect and awesome. I love it so much. It's going to be really kind of complex road for both Peter and Spider-Man to kind of navigate. It is just, you know, this is the perfect part one to Dan Slott's final arc on Amazing Spider-Man. It's got all the elements. It's all being set up for like this grand, grand, grand finale as we move towards 800 and then 801, which will be his final issue. I'm so excited. It just feels like perfect Spider-Man. The sequence that you were talking about at the end, it like, it made my heart sink. Yeah. This moment of realization that, man, the four panel page is like Norman mostly cloaked in shadow. You've got his facial expressions, his dialogue, it's malice and evil and this tainted joy on his face. It disturbed me reading yeah. it. And it's it's so good. If you're not reading Amazing Spider-Man, I think you can jump in with this issue and still Completely. be fully Completely. on board and fully wrapped yeah. in this story. Yeah. And if I would suggest you go pick up Marvel Unlimited, go to the, your local comic shop, pick up the trades, whatever you can. Read lots of Amazing Spider-Man yeah. that Dan Slott and company have done over the years because yeah. it's been really yeah. great. And this is it coming to a head. Yeah. If this isn't your regular pull list, you know, now is the time because this is a seminal, huge moment in Marvel Comics that is kicking off right here. And it's going to be an incredible five, six issues here. Last of the trio is Rogan Gambit number three. This, oh boy, is a sexy comic. Oh, I mean, that is understating it. It's crazy. Yeah. One, yes, there's Bone Zone action yes. in this issue. I will be yes. Bone Zone. front. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But that's not the sexiness of it. There's this writing and the art And everything about it is so, it's hot. Perry crushes, crushes the art, all the pieces of it. It's written by Kelly Thompson, art by Perry Perez, colors by Frank Martin, letters by Joe Caramagna. Kelly's writing, it makes it even hotter because it's full of romance and heart and longing and these true connections between these two people who always wanted to be together. They haven't been able to be together. There's all these things about it. But How do they go to the bone zone, you say? (laughs) You have to read the book. Yes, you do. I'm not going to tell you that. But it makes sense in part of this whole story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're on this mission. They're trying to find out what's going on with this weird couples retreat resort. Right. There's funky things afoot there. And they have a lot of investigating to do, not just of each other's bodies, but of (laughs) the facilities. Very good. They get to a point in the story and I was just like, say what? Say what? They don't just do the romance and the hotness in this issue, though. This wonderful, awesome action sequence. A little over halfway later on in the book, there's this action sequence in particular is structured across 
two pages, right? Rogue and Gamut facing a bunch of folks who you'll recognize, mm-hmm. obviously. Sure. But it feels very kinetic and impactful. The choreography is just wonderful in this fight sequence, and it's super carefully thought out, especially when you have over 10 characters yeah. battling across two pages and a bunch of panels. You know, you have to think, the artist has to think about how you structure this and how the flow of the fight goes. Because you look at the panels and you can see their movements. Mm -hmm. You can see how they're moving from from panel to panel, from opponent to opponent. Because it's so much going on, it really conveys the chaos, but you get the movement. You know where you are in space. You can see and feel things happening at the same time. It's the perfect combination of like that order amongst the chaos as this fight goes down. Yes. And it's not just all the chaos and the action. There's also wonderful comedy and the facial expressions throughout this. You know, there's these little inset panels of Rogue and Gambit and their expressions. There's concern. There's anger. There's fear. There's being punched in the face. There's Rogue smirking over here. Gambit smirking over here. It's so good. It's so good. Culminating with. (laughs) One of the best moments I've seen in comics is Rogue uppercutting someone, literally uppercutting them out of their shoes. It's awesome. And she says, and I said this on the on the polis, if you don't listen to that, she says, flip-flops don't go with fight scenes, girl. And <laughs> later on in the issue, she's like, did you see? Yeah. I punched her out of her flip-flops. It's so good. It's so funny. Kelly is amazing. And Perry crushed the actually like delivering on that. Yeah. Goes on for a couple more pages after that. Great rogue moment. She is the best. I love her so much. Gambit, we'll talk about him in a second. But it ends with Rogue taking one of her enemies and swinging them around by the foot. And the way that Perry structures the page, he uses the like speed lines and the mm. after image of the character being swung around to frame one of the panels. Right. And then that cuts the page in half. And then the other half is split up with two other panels where Gambit is throwing the cards. And you just, it's such smart, inventive, cool storytelling it's just wonderful it's different i don't think i've ever seen that kind of panel creation right before wonderful stuff from perry there's princess bride reference in here <laughs> which made me happy can't go wrong with that so look gambit <laughs> look there's a lot of complex stuff going on here for ryan <laughs> i told this to kelly after i read this i sent her some messages because i had to and i'll tell it to everyone here yeah. on the podcast in front of the world Gambit is growing on me. Wow. And it is 110% because of this series. Wow. Many years and this is what is doing it. It's wow. Like, it's like how you have a friend who's dating someone you don't like, but your friend loves them. They just are so into them. Yeah. And the more you see them together, you're, you know, you sort of get a new look at the significant yeah. other and you start to warm up The significant to them. other does some card tricks and you're like, all right, that was pretty cool. Yeah, you're, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you get a sense of why your friend is into them, right. you know? Like right. you sort of see that connection. Rogue is my friend. Gambit's the significant <laughs> other. Uh-huh. And it's through the lens of this book that I'm coming to warm to him. Wow. And it is all because of Kelly and Perry and the team here. Tremendous, tremendous issue can't recommend it highly enough so good all right from our picks this week to probably some future picks of ours it's time for some news and time to talk about some comic stuff last week we had nick lowe here and we talked about the announcements new books coming new number ones we've got more we've got dates we've got details we've got information i don't know 
Tucker, why don't you kick us off with some of these news tidbits? Yeah, sure. We announced it earlier this week that Tony Stark Iron Man will be joining the lineup of new number ones. That's going to be written by Mr. Dan Slott with art by Valerio Schiti. It's going to be so cool. It's a new, different take on Iron Man. We know that the search for Tony Stark has been going on in Invincible Iron Man. He's back. It's a really awesome Iron Man story for like the 21st century. It's going to be so, so cool. I saw Dan Slott say it was Rick and Morty yes. meets Black Mirror. Yes. But an Iron Man story. Yeah. And I was like, could you think of anything that like more encapsulates dance lots so cool it's awesome ant-man and the wasp number one is coming soon as well that'll be out later this year that's written by mark wade with art by marvel's young gun javier garon it's a five issue limited series and scott lang teams up with nadia pym it's gonna be so awesome yeah I'm, i'm excited for that one jeff lemire is coming back to marvel to write century Century number one, on sale June 6th, art by Kim Jacinto, really cool cover by Brian Hitch, another return to Marvel, Brian Hitch, one of my absolute all-time favorite artists, his Ultimates work, so cool, he's done really cool run on Fantastic Four and many, many, many things, I hope this means more things, but yes, we've got a cover by Brian, and you know, we saw that Century came back in the pages of Doctor Strange. And is that a good thing that he's back? Does that mean good things for the Marvel Universe? I think that's part of what we're going to find out in this storyline. I think Jeff is a great person to write this because he did such cool stuff with Moon Knight playing with those different personalities and perspectives. And with the Century comes the Void. Mm -hmm. And so that really leads to some mind-bending things that will shake the Century to his foundation. X-23 is coming from Mariko Tamaki, writer of She-Hulk and Juan Cabal, who's done such amazing work on all-new Wolverine. That was announced on Marvel.com earlier this week. So exciting. There's a great little interview with Mariko, with Juan, that we have up there, so go check that out. But I love the codename X-23 for Laura. I love it, because Wolverine's back. You know, Wolvie is Wolvie. But X-23 is so cool, and, you know, I think it just fits perfectly. I'm so happy. And a lot of what she did was take that name because she was carrying the name when Logan was gone. Yeah. She owns that name. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's part of the trauma that she went through, but she has overcome it, become so much stronger. Right. She has that that she owns. When was X-23 created? Early 2000s. We have an huh. episode of This Week in Marvel that Ben and I did with Craig Kyle, who was one of the creators right. of X-23. We did that sometime last year. So you could dig into the archive, find that one if you want. He really goes into the creation of the character. It was pretty cool. Laura is one of the like modern greats of recent creation. Like yeah. one of my favorite characters. So I'm so excited for Mariko and Juan to jump on here. One of my favorite characters is Diad Piol. Diad Piol. Diad Piol. Deadpool, number one. How do you follow up Jerry Duggan's run? <sighs> you give the book to the mighty Scotty Young <laughs> yeah. as writer with art by Nick Klein. Now, Marvel, like if you read just Marvel comics, you may not know Nick Klein very well. Nick is an incredible artist. He's done a ton of work for Image. I saw he posted, uh, before the announcement, he posted a Deadpool image that he <laughs> he had done. Just, you know, oh, just fooling around, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. And it's gorgeous. Oh, awesome. It's so good. He is 
it's not the choice I would have thought about mm-hmm. because he's not done a ton of Marvel superhero work, but he's so perfect. Mm-hmm. And Scotty is so perfect for yeah. this book. I know how Jerry sort of wraps up his run mm-hmm. and where it leaves Deadpool. And then Scotty in the last creative retreat was sort of talking about how he picks it up. And he, Jerry sort of put Deadpool in a place where you don't even need to do anything with the previous issues right, and like right, stories. Right, right. But Scotty's like, no, 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 I want to utilize all this stuff. So it's a really cool, yeah. I adore Scotty as a person and I am so excited to see him do more and his Deadpool is going to be great. Nick, Nick Klein, man, y'all going to be talking about him real soon. It's going to be great. <laughs> Earlier we talked about Marvel's Jessica Jones is now on the Netflix. Yes. It's great. So thank you for that one, Netflix. But if you're excited for Jessica Jones, she is going to be in a couple of games now. We've got her, a five-star version of Jessica is going to be in Marvel Puzzle Quest. And she's also coming to Marvel Avengers Academy. Season two of Marvel's Luke Cage is coming to Netflix on June 22nd. This is just announced this week. Uh, hot yeah. off the wire. Yeah. Even though this is coming out a couple of days later, it won't be hot anymore. <laughs> the second season picks up after Luke has cleared his name. He's become a celebrity on the streets of Harlem. He has a bit of a reputation now. And uh, this year really promises to kind of blur the lines between hero and villain in this story. I'm so excited. I mean, season one was so incredible. Yeah, season two coming June 22nd. Great. Right in the heart of summer. Right in the heart of summer. Or is that right when the summer begins? When does summer begin? June 20, like, 1st or 20th, something? 21st, something yeah. like that. So celebrate the I really hope we're summer. just, like, months off. We're like, we're yeah. not even <laughs> close. Yeah, summer comes in smarch. <laughs> yeah. Right now, though, it's time for questions and comments. The community segment, you guys have tweeted us using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. You can also email us, twimpodcast at marvel.com. Got a couple in here. Sam Mason at CaptainEMT6 says, So, I read most of my comics on Marvel Unlimited, and every week I read the new editions. And my God, do I not look forward to reading Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe 2. It's so depressing. It hurts my heart so much. I so agree. It's great, though. It is so good. It's, you know, like, just to see the horrible inventive ways that Cullen and the team murder everyone. Yeah. It's, oof. It's insane. Oof. Ugh. Blech. <laughs> yes. I feel you, Sam. And Sam, I love hearing that that's where you read your comics. Yeah. I find that fascinating. Like you read the books when they come out on Unlimited. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's a use case that a lot of people do, which is totally valid. Yeah. I would love it if you go to your local comic shop or you pick them up when they come out and that supports them now. Yeah. But also knowing that you get to read everything when it hits Unlimited is yeah. also super cool. It's pretty awesome. We got a tweet in here from at Dr. Underscore Spidey. Scott, what's up, bro? Uh, he says, Good to see that the Beast can resurrect some jaunty phrases from the past. Mary Jane Watson, trendsetter. And this is in reference to the pierce my ears and call me drafty line that we talked about last week on Avengers. It was from Avengers No Surrender. Obviously, Scott, he knew. He knows what's up. He goes back. He finds the specific issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Scott Close to the issue number. It's issue number 62. It's got Medusa on the cover. Super cool. Classic stuff in there. Thank you for that one, Scott. Andrew Stevens at Andrew Lantern says, with as many fan sites and online encyclopedias as there are now, what percentage of background do writers leave readers to go look up versus handhold as they would have in the 60s to 90s? That's a really interesting question. There's different ways to look at it. Some writers want to give you that context. So you see like, hey, reference this issue or that issue. But at the same time, you don't want to be told, oh, you need to read X, Y, or Z to understand a story. Because you don't need to read those old issues in order to understand most stories. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. writers 
and the editors and the creators nowadays are doing such a smart job of putting it all there, but there are ways for you to get that background. And that's what we try to do here. I think there's less of the you know references and the notes just because you have upwards of 75 years yeah. of history to cover. And if you want to go back and find that stuff, there's ways to find it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was thinking about this week, Iceman came out, right? Yeah. There was a flashback sequence of Iceman talking to Cyclops and then Wolverine comes in and Iceman's like, oh, my powers are all, you know, souped up and blah, blah, blah. And then Wolverine's like, Slim, let's talk. <laughs> that sequence happened and I'm pretty sure it was like right around X-Men number three or four of right. the early 90s relaunch series or adjectiveless X-Men series. There's no reference to it in there. And I don't think you need to know where it comes from in order to enjoy that story. You just, you have this little piece of history. And if you know it, great. But I don't think you need to Mm -hmm. in order to do it. I don't know if that really answers your question, Andrew. I feel like I I did a fair job. Yeah. Simon Williams comes in and says, it seems like only one or two tweets are being read on This Week in Marvel now. Why is that? I don't know. I'm trying to pull in more that I see. It's hard to get tweets in with the way we record. Mm -hmm. So we record, you know, like we're recording this on Tuesday for release on Friday in order to give evil producer Brandon enough time to edit it. You guys sometimes don't get to listen to the show for a couple days. So we pull in what we can. We're trying to get more in there. I hear you loud and clear, Mr. Williams. He also asks, is Twim URC no longer happening? I'd like to see Panther's Rage get a spotlight now that it's on Marvel Unlimited. Funny that you should mention that. I was talking to someone about Mr. Don McGregor Mm. recently. And if, perchance, we get Mr. McGregor here in the office, that would be a really cool thing to do a little Twim URC on, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? So we'll see. I do agree with you. We do need to get back to doing some Twim URCs. Maybe Brandon, Tucker, and I will put our heads together and figure out when we can do the next one. Maybe bring in a fun guest and make it cool, make it pop. The Tech Lord at Lex Pendragon says, Is it just me or do the symbols on the Pyramoids in Avengers No Surrender look like stick figure alien yoga instructions? And he, he posted the picture that's yeah. in the issue. Yeah. Don't you usually see stick figure yoga instructions? You need like sort of extraterrestrial alien languages? It just makes sense, Lex. Okay. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Duh. That about wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. Oh, question of the week. Yeah. Wait, I almost forgot. Our question of the week is what is your favorite moment or scene or memory of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mm -hmm. 100 episodes young this week. There's so much. For me, I have a unique memory of being on set during the filming of the pilot. Wow. So, So we filmed it on the Universal lot in Hollywood. Some of the scenes that I was there for. And... I remember being up in one of the sort of background buildings, Mm -hmm. you know, the the facades look real, but you get inside, it's, you know, just a couple floors and whatever. So I was peeking out at one of the windows while they were shooting some of the scenes on the ground. I very distinctly remember that. And then remember hearing every once in a while, you could hear the Jurassic Park theme (laughs) because the lot is right next to the theme park. Right. And every once in a while, you know, you know that there's a tour bus going by and you can see the tour bus. That's what an active lot, an active yeah. space. I also remember on that, you know, seeing some of the designs for Lola, Joe Casada showing me some cool concepts and things that they were working on, eating some of the catering. To be fair, it is a very different experience <laughs> than most people will have with the yeah, show, yeah. but it sticks out in my mind. Yeah. What about you, Tucker? Clark Gregg is one of my favorite people, one of my favorite actors. And... 
I have loved seeing him go from the films into the show and then just get all the insane, crazy background with Tahiti and like all this crazy stuff. He's lost a hand. He has like a Luke Skywalker bionic kind of crazy robotman's hand. Robotman? Uh, Robotman. Obviously, 100 episodes is like an insane achievement. And to see, to like look back now at the early episodes, like you were saying, the pilot, the first season. It's so awesome to see how far we've come. Yeah. So with that in mind, again, let us know your favorite moments, memories, thoughts about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over these 100 episodes. Tweet us using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. I'll tweet it as well yeah. now before the episode airs so we can try to get in more of your tweets and comments and stuff to share next week. How's mm-hmm. that sound? Sounds great. Great. This is Marvel. Your universe. This week in Marvel.